Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. Hi there, it's Alan Mitchell on a day where the news is exploding and we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, joined by Daniel Nugent Bowman in Edmonton. Daniel, how are you? I'm well. I'm, I'm glad to be on. I, I, I wasn't sure we'd have a lot to talk about today, but uh, I guess I was wrong on that one. There's lots to talk about, so should be a fun fun uh, discussion. And uh, Jonathan Willis in California, who's probably going to need some more new loafers after today. Uh, John, busy day for you. It was a busy day for me. I think it was a little busier for Ken Holland, but uh, yeah, I've been running all over the place. Uh, you know, we have a lot of opinions and views on this uh, this day, and I thought we'd, we've got a clip from Ken Holland that is brilliant, so we're going to do that in a second, but I thought we'd go around uh, very quickly and, and you know get everybody's views. John, I'll start with you. You're closest to the, the epicenter of this. What are your overall views on what was, I guess, four transactions by Holland today? Yeah, mostly I think he did a good job. I'd, I'd probably do a, I don't know, a B, B minus. He addressed all the things he wanted to address. I, I really like a bunch of the pickups. And, and my only qualification is that of the of the higher end wingers, Athanasiu wouldn't have been my choice. But he's, you know, he's a gamble a lot of people like. Daniel? Yeah, I mostly agree. I, I, I give him maybe a, a bit stronger grade, but I, I probably... I'm a little bit more iffy on the Athanasiu uh, trade than even John was, and that's surprising considering John uh, wrote a piece uh, recently about uh, you know treating um, Athanasiu as one of the buyer bewares heading into the deadline. Um, you know, just people I, I hear he's very enigmatic and 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 very you know you, you don't know what you're going to get from him on a night to night basis, and uh, you know for for somebody that you're going to give up two you know second round picks for, uh, not to mention you know Sam Gagne, which was a money thing but uh you know a tough guy to lose uh for the fans and for uh the guys in the room uh you know i kind of wonder about about that one and if it was the right move but uh getting mike green um you know for mid-round pick uh likely um you know with with chris russell's health uh seemingly in question here uh is probably a, a, a good move and um and you know the other the other move of getting Tyler Ennis um, essentially for you know just for a little bit of money uh, with the fifth round draft pick is is a nice uh, depth add too. I think that but for me it, I like the the fact that he went out and got two wingers down the stretch. One uh, cost him quite a lot. The other Ennis not so much. If there's a if Athenisu has a difficult time, that's a plug and play in Ennis that you could move up from what I would think would be a third line uh, role maybe on the Shahan line. Uh, what I like about Athanasio is you get to, to uh, take him out for a spin here uh, in his leading up to RFA season. If you look at the, the number of players who can score with McDavid, it's it's very high. There is risk, of course. Uh, and, you know, possibly Athanasio is a player who won't be able to adjust. You know, playing with Connor McDavid is, is not, I you know, it's difficult because you got to be able to read the play, but it's also difficult in that you are, uh, in in his case, AA's case, you'll be playing a different style of game. It won't be so much you transporting the puck and, and uh, impacting everything. It'll be more along the lines of waiting for an opportunity to have the pass come to you. And that's an adjustment for sure. But I, I like the bet because it didn't involve a first-round pick, Bouchard or Broberg. Uh, some risk there for sure, though, guys. Absolutely. Uh, let's listen to Ken Holland, about two minutes of him basically at some point saying, this is how I feel, and uh, this is pretty compelling. My message today is we're trying to win. I've come to Edmonton. I've come to Edmonton, and we've got a great nucleus, um, and they've played hard. They've played hard 
to put ourselves in this position where we compete for a playoff spot. And, you know, the last three years I was a seller in Detroit and we made the playoffs for 25 years before. It's fun to be in the playoffs. And it's fun to, for the fans, for the players, to have an opportunity to go against the team head-to-head for two weeks. And then if you're able to win that, to move on to the next round and be in the final eight and be in the final four. And I get back to, again, it's a fifth-round pick and it's a fourth-round pick. Certainly we paid a price for Athanasiu and no risk, no gain. No risk, no gain. I can sit around and do nothing and I can puddle around. And at the end of the day, the, the coaching staff have worked incredibly hard, incredibly hard on a day-to-day basis starting at day one of training camp or going back to the summertime. And I think that our players have worked extremely hard, bought into everything the coaching staff has asked of them. And I'm, I, I like that our team comes to work every day. They compete. Um, we're playing good defense. We're finding different ways to win. We have different people stepping up. We lost Connor for a period of time. We went six games. We go three, two, and one. So I think I felt like I had an obligation to try to pitch in and and help out and we're trying to build a program and if you can make the playoffs and certainly we're in a real race we're in a real race this there's no guarantee we're going to be in the playoffs so that's why in the Athens if you don't make the playoffs we still have Athens uh it wasn't done just just for this year and I just think that it was it was it was my time to try to pitch in to a group of people that have worked extremely hard to put ourselves in a position there's some there's some uh, interesting aspects to that to what he said there. It, it Ken Holland appeared to me to be a, a, today uh, very aggressive and and everything about what he did uh, suggests to me that that he feels like this is a chance because of the nature of the Pacific Division and even the West an opportunity maybe to reach the final four. Uh, and and unlike Peter Shirelli a couple of years ago when he had adjusted David DeHarnay on, on maybe a deadline when he could have done more, not to be overly critical, that was his call, uh, Holland decided to go into uh, a, a little bit more of the deeper end there uh, and ended up getting three players. Um, from Let me start this time around with Daniel. Daniel, do you, in terms of what was acquired today, which piece do you think will be more valuable here between now uh, and the end of the playoffs this year? It's hard to, to know. I mean, logically, it, sh- it should be Athens to you if he's, if he's going to be with McDavid. You mean, you, you think that would be the case. You know, uh, it was very interesting on the, I was flipping back and forth, you know, between uh the, the TSN and Sportsnet broadcasts and, and doing some other other things, uh, obviously writing as well today. But Craig, I believe it was Craig Button on TSN was was arguing or suggesting that Athanasiu would be a better fit with with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and then you would move Drysaddle back up uh, with McDavid and let those you know two uh, run the show again. Um, you know that 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 that's, that's interesting. I mean. Um, Button, I, th- I believe it was Button. He said that uh, he, you know Athanasiu would have more of an ability to, to open up the ice for McDavid, and he he was a little bit critical of of the player because he doesn't know if he's able to kind of play with with uh, 
with McDavid and 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 uh, be in the right spots and 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 you know it's it's fine for him to be fast and be able to keep up with 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 uh, McDavid, but being able to kind of play off him is a whole nother thing. So uh, I'm not sure if I said uh, McDavid, but Nugent Hopkins, he you know Athanasi would be able to open open the ice for Nugent Hopkins. That is so. Um, you know, I, I found that to be an interesting point, but it seems like he's he's really you know he'll have every opportunity to play in the top six, uh, which. Uh, you know, Ennis, you know, obviously there hasn't been a game played and we're not sure exactly where he'll fit in, but he seems more of, of a depth guy that can move up where, where, whereas Athanasiu will get kind of that, that first look in the top six and probably with McDavid on the top line, uh, green, uh, once, uh, Clefbaum comes back, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see, you know, you expect him to be given the shot to run the power play when, when Clefbaum comes back, uh, who knows, um, that would obviously diminish, uh, you know, what what Green can can bring. So uh, I would lean toward Athens to you, but there, you know, it, it's hard to know because uh, he hasn't had a very good year, and um, you know how he adjusts to to playing with somebody like McDavid is a whole new. Uh, whole new thing for him yeah I'll agree with Daniel on Athanasiu I think he's going to get the opportunity and it was a it was a big swing and they wouldn't have made it if they weren't sold that he was going to be able to contribute so he's going to get every every chance to to do things there and it's funny I say that because of the three trades it's the one that I'm most skeptical of I really like the other two additions I, I think both of them especially in terms of price I think he brought in undervalued guys and uh, didn't give up a lot for them. And that's exactly when you're in Edmonton's position now. That's exactly what you want to do on the rental market. Um, I, I do want to touch on, on one thing Daniel said, um, quoting Craig Button there. There is no way I would split dry, or I would put Drysaddle and McDavid together again. I wouldn't even think about it. I, I love the, the way that those two can operate on two different lines. And, you know, if Athanasiu can't work with McDavid, he can play in the bottom six, and, and Tyler Ennis can play with McDavid. I, I think that's the way you approach it. And um, Ennis is interesting to me in large part because he's not only does he give them some versatility and some teeth in the bottom six, but he also gives them some insurance in the event that Athanasiu can't make that transition to playing uh, with McDavid in a reasonable amount of time. Because I mean, like Ennis, uh, in terms of five on five scoring efficiency is way above Athanasiu this season. He's right in the, in the same range as Ryan Nugent Hopkins in terms of points per hour at five on five, um, had a big role in Ottawa you know, if, if you got to play him up, you can play him up and, and, and count on McDavid to lift him. So I, I think it's Athens to but I, I like the other, the other options as well. The, when Patrick Maroon came over, I, uh, at the 2016 deadline, he had four goals and 13 points in 56 games with Anaheim, but he really caught fire once he arrived in Edmonton scoring 14 points in 16 games, eight of them goals. Uh, John, maybe I'll start with you on this one and then, and then go to Daniel. What is a you know what would success look like uh, for Athanasiu over the last what is it twenty one games? What would what would success look like in your opinion from Athanasiu playing on the McDavid line? I'm not too worried about scoring metrics. Uh, the, the problem is you always have this transition, right? You're coming from a, a different team, you're going to a different system, different teammates, different coach. Every it, it's an adjustment, and then there's the whole real life portion too. You're finding a place to live, you're adapting to a new city, yada yada yada. Like there, there's a lot going on. So I, I don't expect a ton in terms of scoring, but if he can, um, I, I think if he can show an ability to keep the play alive in the offensive zone, that they're not a rush line, that they're not one and done. That'll be good enough for me, and then the rest of it can come along afterward. 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's it's kind of hard to, to answer that right now, uh, not knowing exactly where he, where he's going to be or how long he's going to stay with McDavid. I mean, the, you know, you you think you know they sent two for, you know second round picks uh, to to acquire him, a guy with uh, two more years of team control. After that, again, he's going to get every opportunity to do that. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, McDavid is a guy obviously who can who can uh, you know drive his own line. You saw that the other night where he's playing with with uh, Sam Gagne and, and Alex Chason and really uh, I mean you know one was an empty net goal one it was a you know abbreviated power play but the, the goal he scored he you know he pretty much <laughs> supermanded himself and did did you know did the the yeoman the you know every, everything basically to, uh, by himself for that goal so um, you know I, I think obviously if that line can can continue uh, or, or can can score and you know be positive uh, you know, in the goal deferential department, I think that would be a win, you know, in terms of, you know, specific goal totals or point totals for, for Athens to you. I think that, you know, kind of remains to be, to be seen. And I don't really have a, you know, a clear cut answer for you. Do, do you, Al, then in the last 20 games, like what do you want to see? Well, from him? I, what I'd like to see, you know, I don't know that he's going to get any power play time. I, I don't know that, that it's wise to even tweak or, or spend a lot of time dealing with what is the, just a fantastic five on four. Uh, so I, I'm I'm just thinking in terms of of um, time at five on five. And I think it's important because we're coming through a period of time where James Neal uh, played 200 minutes uh, at five on five with Connor McDavid and has one goal while they're on the ice together. And, and really not a lot of chemistry uh, at all. So I'll say, you know, in the 21 games, I'd like to see you know, something, you know, 10 points, 11 points. And, and in that, in that, you know, relationship or cam that we see on the ice where, where, you know, McDavid is, is, you know, flying down the ice and he's, even if he's just a decoy, like Gagne, Gagne was on the game goal, uh, McDavid scored against Los Angeles where Doughty at least had to respect the play. Then, then I think that should be, that, that should be an indication that he's, you know, he's, you know, adapting and learning about where he needs to be and and what complementary role he needs to play. I don't think it's impossible. I I think that that you know this is going to be a completely different situation for him. But I also think there is some risk. I'm probably not as worried about it uh, just because I've seen like how many people have have legitimately failed at five on five with Connor McDavid over these. Uh, over these months and years, there's a lot of success at, you know, with different kinds of players. You don't have to be fast. You don't, you know, have to be this, that, or the other. So for me, I'll say 10 points in the 21 games. And I'm assuming that those are all uh, at five on five, because I think that's when they're going to, you know, if they do play together, that's when they'll play together. And the good thing is in getting the other, the other winger today, you've got a plug and play who, who might be able to slide in there as well. Well, and let's, uh, your, your point about five on five versus five on four is a good one. Like Athanasiu of his, uh, 30 goals in his 30 goal season, 21 of them were at five on five. So that's, that's what he does. I, I agree with you. I don't think the power plays a huge issue there. And, and I think it's probably, um, to the Oilers credit that they're identifying guys. This isn't the first time they've done this, uh, who can contribute at five on five because that's, that's what they need. Any thoughts, uh, gentlemen, start with you, Daniel, on, I still, like, I'm assuming that somebody's more injured than we think. 
but uh, and I like I like Mike Green. I like the addition. I think he might be able to be a mentor. I love his passing. I read John's piece, which I thought was very insightful about what uh, Mike Green might be able to to bring to the team. But but having said that, I really like I like I like uh, Matt Benning in the the third spot as well. Uh, Daniel, start with you. Any thought about where where you see Mike Green playing five on five PK penalty uh, power play? Well, I'll start with your your initial point there. Yeah, I think there are some some obviously some injury concerns. It doesn't sound like Clefbaum is is a huge one. Um, probably be back at some point next week, missing a few you know a couple few more games. Um, James Neal's injury has just been a, a huge, uh, problem. I mean, it was, it was initially not supposed to be a big deal and it's kept him out since the 29th of January, um, out at least another two weeks, maybe, maybe three. Uh, and, and then, you know, Nygaard's going to be out still a while after, you know, with the, the hand injury. Uh, I think he's got around the time when Holland said, he, you know, he'd have the pin taken out and he has a few more weeks to go after that. Uh, Chris Russell, I mean, this one is, is very puzzling to me because uh, he'd been skating for a while. It seemed like he was even question marked to even come on on the road trip. Uh, and now, you know, uh, Dave Tippett said yesterday his you know murky in terms of when his re, um, uh, you know return to the lineup would be. And now he's on LTIR, so uh, head injuries are, are never a good thing. Um, and, you know, obviously, don't wish anyone you know that. Uh, you know, going through that because, uh, you know, it sounds like it, it could, you know, those injuries have, or you never know when you can, you'll be able to come back from them and they're terrible. So uh, I just really, uh, not sure about, about uh, Russell and, and where he stands. Um, you know, to me, you know, you get Clapbaum back and, and, you know, that, that left side is, is like, there, there are holes on the left side right now without him. But once Clapbaum comes back, it's more, uh, you know, shored up. So, I mean, in the right side, um, yeah, you know, you can put him in, in either the, you know, the, the two right side or the three right side, and then you're probably, you know, bumping Matt Benning out of the lineup. Uh, I don't know if you want to move him. You, you could try moving him to, to the left side for a bit. Uh, then, you know, you you could end up ultimately bumping out Caleb Jones too. It, it seems obviously to me that, that Lagason is the guy that's going to get pushed down. Uh, you know, they, they did assign him to, to Bakersfield, obviously recalled him just to give him the opportunity to, to play in the, in the AHL at some point this season. So that gives you the indication that, you know, he's kind of, uh, at the, the bottom of the totem pole, but where green fits in is, is, is a little puzzling to me. That was kind of my initial, um, kind of takeaway from, from the trade yesterday is, you know, uh, where exactly he fits because you do have three healthy right side defensemen that if, you know, now that Matt Benning is back and, and playing, you know, pretty well in that third pair, um, you know, I, I certainly think green is an up, upgrade, but then where, where Benning and his almost $2 million salary kind of slots in is, is a little bit of a, of a mystery to me. So, uh, I think we'll get a, pr- a pretty good idea soon, but uh, it, it's a little, little kind of puzzling where, where Green slots in. To me, I think I think where uh, Benning slots in is is the number seven defenseman going forward. Um, you know, if Green struggles, you can bring Benning in. Maybe you can do a little bit of you know uh, load management on on back to back games or when the schedule's compressed. But realistically, like he's coming off concussion, he's not playing heavy minutes. I like Matt Benning a lot, but I can understand that they might have some concern about his health. 
And I, I think that's that's part of it. I also think part of it is like you look at the ice time in that game against the Kings and the, the game against the Kings, they, they got off to the big lead. The Kings were not that threatening. And, and then, of course, it got close. But but they had points where they were running away with the game and Tippett still leaned hard on his top four. Like he trusted Caleb Jones and Adam Larson. He trusted Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear. And and that to me, that that tells you the story right there. Clefbaum's gonna come in and be the other guy on the left side. Green's gonna come in and be the other guy on the right side. I, I don't think I, there's a lot of people speculating that Green will get work on the power play and, and maybe they maybe they look at that, but I don't see that as a major need. I, I think what they need is even strength minutes. I think we've seen um, defensemen get overtaxed as the year has gone on. And and I wonder I don't know if we'll see Clefbaum Green or Clefbaum Larson. Um, that's that's what I wonder about because there's something to be said for playing Jones and Larson together and then using that third pair maybe off defensive zone draws. Um, but but I think clearly the goal with Green is to get somebody who can play. I don't know, 15 minutes a night and a lot of that, the bulk of that at even strength and, and buy you a little bit of breathing room for, for Bear and for Larson and for and for Nurse and uh, Clefbaum as well so they're not getting so run down over the grind of, of what they, they hope to be a, a long playoff run. And and the other the other thing too here, sorry, just before I move on, um, the schedule in March is compact, right? So you're, you're going to need to to find a way to uh, get these guys a little bit of rest going into the postseason if you don't want them fatigued fatigued uh, for the start of the opening round. This is the Oil Can Podcast. Uh, Daniel and Jonathan were busy writing today and doing great work available uh, at the Athletic Edmonton if you want to read uh, their takes on uh, the various movements. Before we move on, I was given a task today while they were working hard uh, to take a couple of moments to tell you about the great things going on at the Athletic. Now home to over 400 of the best sports writers out there covering every major team in every major league in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. I was asked to pick a favorite writer to highlight uh, and I was told I couldn't choose either Daniel or John. I fought them, both of you, I fought them hard. Uh, you're two of my favorite writers. They said you have to choose somebody else. So I, I chose Murat Atesh uh, with the Athletic Winnipeg. Uh, he's a funny, clever, insightful guy. Uh, he has a great knowledge of hockey and the analytics of the game. A great uh, working relationship with Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he's hilarious, uh, as is Maurice. So their interaction is, is fabulous. Uh, and it's just one example of what you can get when you go to the athletic my teams that i have on my personal site are the oilers the eskimos the philadelphia eagles uh and uh the washington nationals so it's all over the place and your uh sporting experience may be the same uh, make sure you check out what we have simply put we have the best sports newsroom on the planet you don't have to take my word for it you can see for yourself sign up for a free trial head to the athletic.com slash the oil can save over 40 percent on an annual subscription that works up to three dollars a month for total access to some of the best sports coverage in the world you don't have to wait any longer it's the athletic.com forward slash the oil can to save 40 percent uh, and i i honestly think from say saturday on and that's weekend into monday uh, the writing at the Athletic Edmonton top drawer guys, you did a great job of uh, the work today, uh, and it was coming at you right. Like it never, you don't get a trade and then you get eight hours to write about it. Correct, uh, Daniel? Uh, not usually. No, they usually come pretty fast and furious, <laughs> and you you got to adapt relatively quickly. But um, yeah, you, you know what? I'll, I I like Mirat just fine, but yeah, I'm I'm still a little slighted. You, you didn't fight harder to pick uh, one of John or I, I threatened. You know? So you know I. Th- <laughs> 
<laughs> I, anyway. I'm just astonished you didn't go with with Eric Dehatchik. I, I would have figured, you know, somebody from your from your generation. Well, out. I like Eric very much, but I I want I I wanted to try to be hip, so I went with Morat. Um, <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, you can't go wrong with Eric, though. No, you can't. You great guy uh, and no. and many 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 stories. Uh, that's the thing about Eric. Yes. If you ever end up talking to him, you never get home because he's got great stories. Well, we've been on today, guys. Uh, Ken Holland was on with Jason Greger this afternoon, and he said, this is a quote from Holland. Want to get both your, your opinions? We'll begin with John. He said, I had a lot of irons in the fire. You don't really talk to teams you're battling for, but there were a few others we were in on. I wanted to get another defenseman, but it didn't happen. John, what's your thought on another defenseman that he might have been looking for? That, uh, that, well, you know, I, I had the presence of mind to ask him about a center during his press conference. It didn't occur to me he might be looking at another defenseman. But, you know, you've got you've got uh, a young player in Caleb Jones you can send down to, to uh, uh, Bakersfield if needed, I guess. So, gee, that's a, that's a tough one. You would, you would think it would be for the penalty kill. Um, eesh. You know, there were there were some really interesting moves today, some including some I didn't see coming. Like I didn't think Brady Shea was going to get dealt today. Uh, so there there were some there were some interesting options on the market, and I, I don't think there's any question that Holland was in on all the conversations you would expect him to be in on. I, you described him earlier as being very aggressive, and and that's ex- that's exactly what it sounds like they were. Well, to me, that just kind of speaks to the uncertainty surrounding Chris Russell. I mean, uh, not that he is a world beater or, or in, in too many people's you know top four, but I think if if you had if you're confident that Chris Russell was coming back, you know, could be used on the PK in a bottom pairing role, or at the very least, you know that he's a number seven to hang around. Uh, you probably aren't as worried about picking up another defenseman. So the fact that they put him on LTIR um, and he's coming, you know, battling uh, what's a, what is a head injury, um, you know, there's there, there has to be some uncertainty there uh, because Holm obviously as he told uh, Jason Greger, was was scouring the market for another blue liner. So uh, I sure hope it's it's not as bad as it is. It's, it kind of is being made out to be with with uh, with Russell because um, you know that could be uh, you know terrible for for somebody's health. But that's kind of where where I kind of look at it. By the way, two man advantage with Scott Burnside and Pierre LeBrun will wrap up the NHL trade deadline this week at theAthletic.com. The 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 other trade, and I I wanted to talk to you about this because it was a late one and it involved a goaltender and a a distant pick. Uh, but the the team I felt really had made their decision on uh, Joel Pearson, and and you know for me it's always a favor to let a player. Uh, go if you if you don't feel like he's part of the future, uh, and that's what happened late, late, late in the afternoon with the trade of uh, Pearson. Uh, I think they'd made the call on him, right, John? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was a uh, an interesting deal. You'd kind of kind of feel like maybe there'd be value in having him around as a depth option just in case you run into injuries. But he'd fallen down to well, with Green coming in and with Evan Bouchard stepping up, he'd kind of fallen down to sixth on the right side depth chart. So so that's getting down there. Anaheim obviously doesn't have a uh, a lot to play for this season, so he you would imagine will get an opportunity there. They're obviously interested in him. Um, he seemed like he was he he had some ups and downs with Bakersfield. Like I, I talked to him here this past week, and and he told told me that one of the issues he'd had was just maintaining the same level of performance night in and night out, and 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 he'd been working on that down there, and. Uh, 
it's uh it's a, you know it's a good situation for him where hopefully he can he can get some minutes with the ducks he he just he didn't really get a long look in edmonton i don't think he should have based on where the team was and what was in the system but um you know that he, he looks to me like a guy who might be able to make it as a third pairing nhl defenseman and, and giving him that opportunity with anaheim is is certainly a a favor and and if if it works out maybe you you recoup a depth draft pick to help offset you know one of the ones that you you sent away for a rental and don't forget the goalie, John. They they have a goalie that uh, <laughs> is uh, in the ACHL. No, I, it, to me is it's really fascinating and and uh, very you know it's too bad for him how how far he he fell. Basically, you know, started the year. I, I guess he missed the first game with the the shoulder injury there, but he you know was was slotted as right alongside Oscar Kleppbaum from game two uh, on in October for a while, and um, you know obviously didn't play you know any special teams and you know, was being sheltered quite a bit, but, uh, for somebody to kind of have that plum assignment and then, uh, basically, you know, three or four, you know, four months later, what have you, um, fall right out of the, the picture of the organization is quite the, the startling kind of, uh, downfall that he had, but, um, really nice guy to chat to, um, you know, guy that obviously had some, some promise and I wrote about him earlier in the year and, and, you know, basically two, you know, two years ago, I guess three, almost three now, he was basically playing, uh, you know, amateur level hockey in Sweden. So he's come a long way and, you know, if he can get an opportunity with another team, you know, all the power to him, uh, would be a good story for him. All right, boys, I let you off the hook earlier on the, uh, points in 21 minutes or 21 games, uh, for Athenisu. Uh, I'm going to start, but I'm going to give a letter grade to Ken Holland based on what he did. And I'm hoping that you guys will also give a letter grade uh, instead of saying, I don't know, or uh, you'd have to give me time. So I'll start and I'm going to give him a B. Uh, I think there is risk with Athenisu. I I like that they got him on this side of the contract uh, and they can have a look at him. Uh, the, two, the two second round picks, I'm not saying they don't have value, they do. But overall, I like that bet. I really like the bet uh, on Ennis. I think that that may prove to be the most valuable deal of the of the deadline for the team and I also think that the the Mike Green acquisition you can never add too many defensemen at the deadline because you need uh, defensemen so I'll give him a B uh, who wants to go next I'll, I'll jump in here because I, I I think I started by saying I'd, I'd give him a B B minus right out of the out of the gate and I've been thinking about it over the course of this um, you know, I, I think in terms of strategy, I, I'd give them an A. What they were trying to do was exactly what they should have been trying to do uh, in terms of getting cheap rentals, both the Green Deal and the Ennis deal. I'd say, yeah, those are those are A moves. The biggest move was Athanasiu. I'd probably call it a C, and and because it's the biggest, that that probably reduces the overall grade to a B. I just. I, he's a, he's a player who I'm I'm not I'm not wild about when I, I look at how he how he plays the game. There's there's undeniable home run potential there though, and um, they they didn't spend a ton of money on a guy that they that's going to walk out the door in two weeks. So so a B and and you know if Athanasiu takes off that that grade's gonna gonna take off right along with him. Okay, I'm right there with John, but uh, you know with that kind of that B grading, I like the as we talked about, I like the the two. Um... I don't know if smaller is the right uh, word, but the two trades that, that uh, didn't cost as much in green uh, and Ennis. Now, when it comes to Athanasiu, he's kind of not the biggest culprit in this, but, you know, these moves have kind of pushed them over 
the salary cap with bonuses. And, and that's something that, you know, I, I commend them for, for kind of going all in because this is a really big opportunity for them in the Pacific division. And, you know, I think the, the, you know, they have just as good a chance as anyone to, uh, to, uh, you know, to take that division and go to the conference final. Although that, that would, uh, cost a you know a third round pick instead of a fourth for for green but um <laughs> but but you know in, in saying that i you know i, I think they, they kind of made the right move but uh, you know this team theoretically is only on the on the upswing uh and um you know it's going to cost them a little bit probably for for next year with all these perform- performance bonuses um so you know hedging your 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 bet so to speak on on a guy like Athanasiu who you then um you know he has arbitration uh, rights for next u- season uh in the off season that is you know you wouldn't expect him to get a huge uh, pay uh, increase after you know scoring 10 goals uh, right now as opposed to 30 last year obviously he has a chance to top that playing with McDavid um but you know they they have about 70 million committed to 16 guys that includes Benson who uh, went down today um, you know, there, there needs to be, uh, contracts that, uh, I've heard are, uh, upcoming for Shahan and Archibald. And of course, uh, Ethan Bear needs a new deal. I was told, uh, you know, they'd be negotiating that in the summer, but he, he's a due for a big raise as well. So, uh, obviously you, you probably do want to keep, you know, progressing and, and getting better guys in on that, on the wings for whether it's McDavid or Dreisaitl, and that's going to cost money. Um, you know, there's some things Holland can do in terms of, you know, potentially moving or buying out, you know, guys like James Neal or, you know, trading uh, Larson or Russell or those types of move. But, he you know, and getting a player that makes over $3 million uh, or makes $3 million now, probably make a little bit more next year um, for, um, you know, a little bit of uncertainty in terms of what he brings on a nightly basis. I, you know, I, I'm not... Yeah, I, I would be intrigued to be proven wrong, but um, yeah, that move is a little bit, um, yeah, it, it kind of leaves me uh, cause or pause and, and lowers that grade down to a B for me. All right. So I, I thank you for that. I know that it's difficult in real time to to uh, uh, grab all of that. And I know you've been busy. So I, I will tell you that, that for me, the, 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 the move in the Pacific Division that I liked the most and it was late, but I I liked Vegas picking up Laner. I I, I felt like the dip, the gap between Flurry and and any backup was large. Uh, I I think Vegas is. I still don't know why they replaced their coach, but I have I don't know everything. But I like the Laner risk. Uh, is there any uh, Pacific Division or any division uh, bet that you saw today that you really like? I'll start with John. Well, I really liked Carolina's day. I, I like them bringing in Brady Shea. I, I think they paid, you know, a very reasonable amount for a guy who's under contract long term. Uh, the Vincent Trocheck deal to me looked like an HF boards deal where it was like, okay, well, we'll give you our pending UFA and this asset that's expendable and this asset that's expendable. And, oh, we'll toss in Linus Omark. And, and Florida inexplicably said yes to, to that grab bag of, of you know, decent but unspectacular players so really like what Carolina did if I have to pick one team from the Pacific Division I'm going to pick San Jose for getting a uh, a first round pick out of Barclay Goodrow I did not envision that happening I can kind of see where Tampa Bay is coming from because if you, if you look at it and you figure well that's not going to be a high first round pick and the difference between a first round pick and a third round pick is not nearly as big as people believe despite the number I I, I can understand that but I, I still like that deal for the Sharks. 
I was hoping you'd ask uh, John first so I could either A, agree with him, or B, scroll through my phone and <laughs> go through all these trades one more time. But, uh, you know, I, I you know I think John made some pretty good points. But, uh, you know, I, I do like the, the, the Leonard move to to um, to Vegas too, especially Vegas got him for, for not too much. Uh, Toronto picking up some of that cap hit in a kind of a bizarre uh, move where they basically grabbed some of the money and and got a little a free pick out of it. Um, but yeah, Carolina is really interesting. You know, I was obviously down there recently uh, to watch uh, to watch that game, and I really like like what they they brought. Um, the only criticism I'll, I have of, of Carolina, I do like what John uh, you know the John said about their moves, and I do like the moves that they made. But they didn't get a goalie today, and uh, that seemed to be the unless I missed it, uh, but they were kind of in on the, on the, on the Leonard, uh, talks from, from what I heard. And, uh, you know, obviously he goes to Vegas and, you know, you had, uh, two goalies out, uh, Saturday and a, and a Zamboni driver in. So, uh, I know they called up their, their two guys from, from the minor leagues, but, uh, you think they would probably want to shore up that position a little bit when they're, when they're really in the thick of a, of a playoff battle. So that would be my one criticism of, um, of the hurricanes, but otherwise I, I like the, the moves that they, that they did make to bring in uh Trocek, um, uh, Shea and, and even Vatten in too. All right. Uh, final, 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 uh, don't forget to please rate and subscribe the oil can on Apple. If you click on the show URL, the slash the oil can, you'll get 40% off your subscription to the athletic for Daniel Nugent Bowman and Jonathan Willis. I'm Alan Mitchell. And I'm just going to ask one question, uh, going around because I think it's important. Uh, is there anything we've missed on this damn show? Because there was so much going on, boys. John? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think we missed a lot. There's there's so much to talk about uh, in terms of trades. And if we if we start asking what we missed, we're, uh, we're going to get swamped. Okay, I got one for you guys. Who are the three who, like right now, I, you know, I'm jotting down some forward lines. And I see, you know, once everyone's healthy, there'd be, you know, 15 forwards. Uh, kind of around it, you know, they have the obviously the twelve that are active, uh, plus sack casting who's suspended. Uh, so we got we got up to fifteen. Who are your three kind of healthy scratches? Who's who's left out of the lineup on a nightly basis? Because we talked about the D with with uh, with Green, but we didn't really hit the forwards. Well, I'll say Benson, who's gone. A Russell, Patrick Russell. So he's gone. So he's not part. He Benson's not part of that. Uh, okay. That 15. So we're still at fifteen. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll say I'll say Patrick Russell. Um, yeah. If there's enough penalty killers, then probably Jujar Kara. Uh, oh damn it! Um, I should have let John go first. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say it can't be Chase on, so I'll say Nigard. Uh, I wonder if it could be could be Chase on because here's here's my thing. So you you get down to your fourth line. You've got Gaetan Haas at center because you don't have any other centers. You've got, and then you've got three wingers, right? So I'm assuming that Tyler Ennis is playing with Riley Shahan on your third line. So your three wingers are Chase on Neil and and Nygaard and and Nygaard and Haas have played well together. And the problem with Chase on and Neil is that they're similar in terms of not being high speed players and i i think i think you want that element of speed i think you want that element of speed on all your lines i think those are the players who've really excelled in Tippett's system so i i think it does end up being chase on 
but I, I know Daniel has teed this up here because he has strong opinions. Uh, well, no, I was, you know, trying to actually uh, crowdsource a little bit for this article I'm writing later. Uh, no, uh, I, I, you know what? It's really intriguing to me because I think, as we talked about, you have uh, Athanasiu with, with McDavid and, and probably Zach Cassian in, in some form. You, you leave that second line together, Nugent Hopkins, uh, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto. Um Shane and Archibald have been a pair most of the year and done pretty well, especially uh, on the PK. You leave them together. So the winger there to me is either Nygaard or or um, uh, or Kara. I, I didn't consider uh, Ennis, but so that's that's one. And I think you're right. I think either Nygaard or, or Kara comes out. Uh, to me, I, it's hard to know because Nygaard has been out for so long and maybe he doesn't come back in the right, you know, form or you know he has, he has trouble getting back into to game shape or what have you uh but i, I would lean toward keeping nygaard in over um over uh, Kara, and then yeah i mean your your fourth line center is gaytan haas who because there's really no one else uh and then you're probably leaving neil in over over chase on to me so i i would think russell is out uh chase on is probably out and and Kara's probably out that's a lot of beef, boys. Well, and you, know, you know the problem with doing this, right? Is uh, now now you've you've made me wonder who's the defensive conscience on the McDavid line if it's Athanasiu, McDavid, and Cassian. So this is mm. I, I know you're trying to get out of here, but you've you've opened this can of worms now, well, Al. But you know, um, it's it's <laughs> it's going to be an issue in the first game, right? Like when everybody's two hundred feet from the net, <laughs> the coach is going to notice, John. So to play to play devil's advocate, who was the defensive conscious on the line last night with Chason and and uh, Gagne? And McDavid? I think it was Mike. Smith, I, right? I, I would say, I, I would say the defensive conscience was Anze uh, Anze Kopitar, judging by the, the amount of time he was spending in the zone. So, but that, that's a fair point, though. I mean, who is your unless you're putting Nygaard up there, who like doesn't kill penalties or, or what have you? Like, there isn't really anyone to take on that uh that well, role and, and that's where maybe it's interesting that they picked up ennis too because people may not remember but tyler ennis last year was uh on mike babcock's defensive zone line with frederick goche for most of the season so he's he's a guy who has filled that role in the past and, and i i just thought that was interesting and i i meant to bring it up earlier and then al you know pushed the door wide open for me to ramble on and on about it or we do what you are so loath to do, John, and, and put one of uh, Nugent Hopkins or Yamamoto. No, I don't with break McDavid up that line. And break up that second line. No, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought, I, I, I thought that would get somebody going. <laughs> I, I think that's more defensible than putting Drysaddle with McDavid. I, I don't want to break it up either, though. Here's the top okay. line tomorrow night. Then we're all going to agree, and we're going to end on this: McDavid with Ennis and Athanasio, right? Uh, I figured Chase on would Chase on would play the right way. Yeah, I think so too. God. And and uh, we, I don't think we quoted. I don't think it was in the clip we included. But Kenny Holland said today that they've got a ton of right wings, and he he explicitly referred to both Ennis and Athanasiu as left left wingers. Okay, so one of them will be on the right wing tomorrow night. <laughs> but but he also said I'm not the coach, so you know take it for what it's worth. <laughs> Guys, we've got Jeff is going to beat us to death here if we don't leave. So, this has been the Oil Can Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us.